I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. The Get Rich Slow Club podcast is a collaboration between Tash Edgman from Tash Invest and Anna Christina from Perla. The Get Rich Slow Club acknowledges the traditional custodians of the land we record on. From coast to coast, across land, waters and communities, we pay our respects to elders past, present and emerging. Any advice is general and does not consider your financial situation, needs or objectives. So consider whether it's appropriate for you. Welcome to the Get Rich Slow Club podcast, where we take you from beginner to confident investor, where we can teach you everything you need to know about investing. So come get rich slow with us. Today, we're going to be talking about a lot of different ETFs. So if you jump onto our socials and follow along, it might be easier to follow this episode. We've put up a few graphics on the Get Rich Slow Club Instagram. The new year is always a great time to pause and think of the future, especially when it comes to your investing strategy and your goals. That's why in today's episode, we are discussing some of the top ETFs of 2023 with Nick Nicolades, the co-founder and CEO of Perler. Perler is a wealth management platform that focuses on long-term investing and empowers the community to build wealth for their future. Before we get started, we always share our money wins and losses. Nick, do you want to kick it off? Uh, mine's from the holidays, I think. We went out and bought some fish and we were going to cook up a nice meal and then we got lazy, had takeaway that night, put it in the fridge and we were looking at it going, oh, we need to use it. And again, we were lazy and got fish and chips or something. So we put it in the freezer. But, you know, when you put something in the freezer and you already know it's a little bit far gone, um, even if it's not fully far gone and in your mind, it's like, I'm never going to eat that. And so... <laughs> You know, a week later, it was obviously straight from the freezer to the bin, but at least it had that little moment in the freezer where it could have existed as a meal. And, you know, I'm still thinking about it. This was like three weeks ago. So yeah, that's mine. I did that with chicken the other day. I left it till right into the last day that it could be used and then it smelled gross. So I threw it out. It was a bit sad. I don't know about you guys, but I always have the like best before, like I'm the person who, even though it has best before, I'm like way after, or even if it says use by, like I'm always sniffing it and tasting it. My partner's like, no, gross, chuck it. And I'm always like, it smells fine. We're using it. I'm cooking it. Or sometimes I just won't even mention it because I know that like, it's just an arbitrary number in many cases. I've also never gone sick. So it might be, it might just be from uh, lack of experience of getting sick. 
Tash, what about you? Um, my favorite yogurts were half price yesterday. So they were like $1.80 something, which is pretty exciting. Um, cause I never want to pay $3.50 for yogurts or $3.60, whatever it is now. But yeah, half price yogurts. I bought like 10 of them. I was going to say, did you stock up? Yeah. Yeah. That's a win. I, I didn't realize we could do wins also. I nearly had a win yesterday. Our favorite ice ah, cream was half price. That's and, a win. But we already got home and then we were chatting about it. We were trying to be healthy and we're like, we didn't buy the ice cream. Should we have bought the ice cream? And there was like this 30 second moment where I was like, maybe if I walk to the shops and get the ice cream, it'll justify it. And then I was getting changed to get my walking clothes on. And I had this moment where I was like, no, let's just skip the ice cream. So I guess I had a win because we didn't buy the ice cream, but. Mm, a health win. Yeah. And financial win, I guess. He didn't yeah. spend the money. Yeah. But I guess I have a money loss as well. If I can have two today. Um, I went to the Gold Coast for my friend's birthday on the weekend and they charged us $30 to get in somewhere, which I thought was a bit horrendous. Oh, cover. Yeah. Cover costs. I don't think I've ever paid $30 to get in anywhere before in my life. So that was a bit sad. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. Do covers still exist? I feel like that's like a 10, 15 year ago thing, but maybe they yeah, do. Yeah. And it was like 5 p.m. as well. But nope, it does. $30 on the Gold Coast. Things are a bit pricey there. Did you at, at least get a free PM. drink? No, no, no free drink. Wow. Yeah. Wow. They're, Happy they're birthday to Maddie. Yeah. <laughs> it, was, it was worth it, I'm sure. Uh, I don't know. No, it was fine. Um, my money win or loss, I don't know. It's a bit of both, I guess, is I accidentally bought $30 worth of ham. I wasn't thinking. And when the guy was like, you know, at the deli where you're like, yeah, a lot of ham. He took like a handful and I, from my perspective, it looked okay. And then I realized it was $30 worth of ham. And my partner's like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I guess we're having ham and cheese sandwiches. And luckily my partner loves making pizza. So we had a lot of ham pizza, but that was really silly because I'm trying to reduce our meat intake and $30 worth of ham is a lot. Did you eat all the ham? Did you get through it? Yeah, I did. None of it had to go into the freezer or get saved. So we did eat it. Yeah. You also must be buying bougie ham though. Um, I, I think it was just a lot of ham. I don't think it was bougie. I was like looking, I do what you guys do, right? When you look for the sales price, I'm like, oh, that one's on sale. You know, I don't know what it was, like some kind of ham, but still ham's not cheap, I guess, but just a lot. I had a lot. Literally, you guys could have eaten ham for weeks at my house, but it's all done. It's all eaten now. It's gone. So let's kick it off. Um, we want to talk about some of the top ETFs of 2023. Yes, it's 2024 now, but it's a good way to kind of reflect, think about our um, what we're investing in, what ETFs we have, and also just understand the community and what they're investing in. Yes. And if you don't know where to start, these are a good place to start your research because they are popular for a reason. Okay. Anna, what is number 10 on the list? Okay. At number 10, we have VESG, which is Vanguard Ethically Conscious International Shares Index. It's a bit of a mouthful. Nick, do you want to talk a little bit about this ETF? Yeah, sure. So it's covering a global index of big companies, obviously. And what they do is they filter out certain ones that uh, are you know less highly rated on the uh, environment, governance, and sustainability ratings. So uh, it's still got stacks of companies and all the big ones that you'd expect, and maybe we'll talk about them a bit later. But um, it's it's a way to kind of filter out a few bad ones, um, you know, whether that's fossil fuels, gambling, tobacco, etc. On a side note, I actually hold this in my portfolio as well. <laughs> At number nine, we have VTS, which is Vanguard US Total Market Shares Index ETF. Do you buy this one, Anna? I don't have VTS, actually. Is this one of the annoying ones that you have to fill out the US tax forms for, I think, from memory? Do you know, Nick? Yeah, I think this is one of the ones where you have to fill out a W-8 form. Um, and what that does is it kind of creates a situation where you don't get 
double taxed from a cash flow perspective um, by the US government. So uh, it's not that complicated to fill out and there's plenty of blogs around that'll tell you how to do it. Um, but it should be something that, you know, for a few of these where they are US domiciled, it's something to check. It's just a little bit of extra paperwork. This ETF though is, you know, fairly popular for a reason. It covers uh, the, well, what it tries to do is cover the US market, but it covers thousands and thousands of companies. So I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I'm thinking like maybe three to 4,000 companies. And it'll still give you all of the greatest hits. So a lot of the biggest companies in the world come from America. But this one will also give you a cross-section of like even smaller companies that are listed in the US. Um, it's popular for that reason. Wow, and the fees are still so low, 0.03% a year. It's pretty good. And 4,000 companies. 4,000, yeah, that's mm-hmm. a lot. And it's one of those things to also note, I think, when it says total, I mean, the titles always don't tell you what it is. You have to actually look at the companies you hold. But often when the word total is in the in in the title, it is a cross-section of a lot of companies. Is that right, Nick? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And like I think a, a few of the ones we'll talk about in this list of 10 will have very similar companies at the top and have very similar companies with like similar large percentages. And again, all the greatest hits like and for those who don't know what I'm talking about, your Googles, your Facebooks, your Amazons, you know, those sort of stocks will be in a lot of these e- ETFs. So you've always got to look at that because you could be buying a few ETFs, but you could be buying basically the same stuff over and over again. Tash, to answer your earlier question, I think I do hold the Canadian equivalent of VTS. So anyone who's international and who's listening, often these tickers and tickers are the are the letters we call out like VTS or VESG. They have an equivalent in a different country. So in Canada, there might be a different one in the US. They might have something else, but they're investing in very similar companies as well. So I was going to say, I actually do think I invest in, in this as well in Canada. Yeah, I find people get confused with this with IVV, which is the S&P 500 an Australian ETF, but then there's VU, I think, over in the US, which is also the S&P 500, but listed somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. That's a great example because I invest in VOO, but not not the Australian version of it. So not to get complicated, but that's that's how the tickers are used. And it depends on what exchange you're looking at, whether it's the ASX, the Australian stock exchange, or whether it's in Canada or in the US and so forth. I'm really surprised by number eight being so high on the list. It's ACDC, the Global X Battery Tech and Lithium ETF. Um, why is this one so high, Nick? Yeah, look. Is I it mean- just because it's got a cool name? <laughs> it does have a cool name. No, there's a few reasons for this, I think. And of course, uh, you know, I don't know what's in the minds of every single investor ever, but obviously battery tech and lithium have been, you know, hot topics for a while now, right? And so we've seen a lot of people have tried to diversify their portfolios by taking thematic ETFs. This would be an example of a thematic ETF, which for those who don't know, is an ETF that is slightly more niche or, you know, targeted than some of the broader ones that we talk about. And so, you know, it's obvious that this topic has been, you know, important and in the headlines and stocks in this space have done really well. And people seem to think they're going to continue to do that as, you know, the EVs become more used and all range of batteries become more common in our lives. The other thing that could have propelled this one into number eight and it's been in the top 10, I think, every year since we launched, um, was that way, way back when Perla was, you know, making its first ever trades, we did a deal with a few ETF providers. We went to them basically and said, hey, look, we want to make it easier for people to buy your ETFs. What if you pay the brokerage fee for them um, when they're going in? And Global X, who provides this ETF plus a bunch of others, said, yep, sure, we'll support you. And we did a deal and everyone won. 
right? Because the, the investor came along and they're like, if I'm going to hold this for long term, they have to hold it for at least a year, I'll get my fee paid for by this ETF manager. The ETF manager got a new young customer who hopefully holds the ETF for a long, long time, um, which is you know in line with our philosophy. And Perla was happy in the middle because uh, it was selling ETFs, which it believes are really good for people, and it had a customer who was paying a fair price but getting a little perk. So that could have propelled this one even further up the list. There's no other thematics, I think, in the top 10. Mm, I remember that time. It was fun getting all the free, the ETF-free brokerage fees. Nick, would this also be considered an ethical or an ESG thematic? Look, again, this ETF I don't think has an ESG tag. Uh, So it's not, you know, in quotation marks, an ESG ETF. But people have their own real interpretations of what is helping the planet. And, and, and that's where I think ESG is going. It's much more a personal thing. So, you know, I can't speak for everyone, but I expect there would be some people who look at something like this and go, I believe that it's going to be um, important. I believe it's doing overall a good thing. Um, so on, you know, I can, I can kind of have both sides. I can have an investment that I think is going to perform well. And I think it's something that's not you know, necessarily harming the country. Whether that's true or not, you know, time will tell. And, and you know, as people learn more about how these rare, uh, rare earth materials are mined, maybe people will change their tune on lithium and things like that. But for now, yeah, probably. I just realized that we didn't define what ESG is, and that's environmental, social, and governance. And it's basically a collection of companies within an ETF or so that have to kind of be evaluated under a certain criteria. We have a whole episode on that as well, that anyone who's interested in ESG investing can can check in our backlog. It's always interesting seeing um, mining companies in ESG ETFs. Like it's really interesting where someone's ethical beliefs will lie. Yeah. But as we know, it's personal, highly personal, yes. right? Like <laughs> yes. what, what you think is ethical for you might be completely different from Nick or myself, right? Yeah. yeah. And the fees on this one are a little bit higher as well at 0.69% a year. So a lot higher than VTS, for example. Yeah, and you'll see that with the thematic ETFs um, because, well, for a range of reasons. Some some would say because it's marketing and they can get away with it. Others would say that because they have to track typically smaller companies or they have to track companies that aren't as like widely known, it takes more effort and more energy. So it, always something to watch. I mean, I think in terms of the fees and in terms of the whole ESG topic, it's it's really something that should be more of a, not a red flag, but more of something that causes you to look closely and go, okay, let me see whether this is real or not, whether it is actually helpful or whether it's just marketing and they're just trying to charge more. Um, I don't have an opinion on ACDC. I think it's, you know, that one's been around for a long time. I think it's very clear about what it is. But when we talk about ESG, it's it's kind of slapped on a lot of things. And so I think the best thing for people to do is just learn about it and, and really look at what it means. Mm-hmm. And we can't deny that ACDC has a good name. So <laughs> <laughs> my age is showing. Um, at number seven, we've got Ethi, which is BetaShares Global Sustainable Leaders ETF. This one seems to have been really popular on Instagram in the last few years, and it's done quite well, I think, because it holds a lot of tech companies in it. Do you have any thoughts on this one, Nick? Yeah, this one's been popular. It's been around, I think, longer than VESG, which a lot of people would say, you know, is a comparable ETF. They're both global. They both have some filters. I think if you look at the uh, marketing for Ethi, 
they seem to go a little bit further than what VESG does. They have a few more filters. Some examples of those are levels of gender equality and senior management as one example. So yeah, I think a combination of it's been around longer. Uh, it's got probably more marketing attached to it. Are there other reasons why this one would have been high up there? But I think, you know, to summarize, ETHI and VESG are the only two ESG ETFs in the top 10. And that kind of makes sense because they're, they're basically a global ETF. They're still really diversified, uh, but they just get rid of a few companies that a lot of people might think I don't want to be involved in. And when you say global, um, that's like international versus just Australia. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think um, when you think about, obviously, the global stock marketing can be everything from US, Europe, Asia, Australia, there's a lot of companies. And so it's quite, it's a little bit easier for an ETF to be constructed and get rid of, you know, so-called less um, environmentally sustainable companies um, and still have a really big ETF. I think when we do an episode on on ESG, we can talk about, uh, later we can talk about, you know, how that impacts Australia where such a big part of our stock market is miners and banks and oil and gas and whatnot. So when you take those companies out of the Australian market, there's still a lot of good companies, obviously, but a lot of the Australian market returns from the last, you know, 10, 20, 30 years have come from mining. Mm -hmm. And I would assume there's smaller companies too, when mining companies and banking companies are so big. So if you're looking at more sustainable, ethical ESG companies, um, you'd have a smaller, smaller company size too. Is that fair to say? Yeah, absolutely. And I think Tash, you mentioned that FE has a higher proportion of tech companies. And I think, you know, that's, that's a whole other topic, right? Where the idea of your carbon footprint comes into it. And obviously investing in software companies is, is a, you know, probably an easier way to reduce your carbon footprint than say finding the most sustainable industrials or food manufacturing or transport company, right? And so, you know, there's lots to this topic. You know, a good place to start if you're interested in learning about ESG would be having a look at ETHI versus VESG, having a look at the top holdings and seeing what's different. Um, and, and also then, you know, it's pretty easy to go and see what their filters are and just reading those few pages of those um, PDSs and you'll start to get a feel for, you know, which one to you might seem more legit or more suitable. Um, one of my favorite questions is, do you think Amazon is ethical? But we might save that for the next episode. So you'll have to come back and find that one. We'll, we'll never get to number one if we keep going <laughs> yeah. on about the ESG topic. Okay. Let's go to number six, which is another really popular one. Um, NDQ, BetaShares NASDAQ 100 ETF. Why is this one so popular? Yeah. I mean, let's just start by what I'm saying, what, what I'm sure we've said a hundred times before, past performance doesn't necessarily equal <laughs> um, future performance. But, you know, the NASDAQ um, in this instance is talking about tech companies. And uh, over the last 20, 30 years, obviously, they've had a huge impact on overall returns. They've grown to be, the you know, some of the largest companies in the world. And this is you know, giving you a, a cross-section of just those companies. And so I think, you know, we talked about VTS before and a lot of the NASDAQ, and so to put it into context, VTS would have a lot of tech companies in it because those are the most sort of successful and largest companies in the US, right? Um, so if you go from VTS, like 4,000 companies, and then you go through v those 4,000 companies and you pick, you know, say the 100 or thereabouts largest tech companies, that's not exactly how they create NDQ, but that's a good example of like, okay, concentration. 
and just picking out those tech companies. And obviously and paying more for it as well. Like the fees on NDQ are 0.48%, which is huge compared to 0.03%. So it's interesting. Yeah, really interesting. And, and, you know, someone will say, look, most of the returns of say a VTS over the last 20, 30 years have come from tech companies. And so you would expect the performance of NDQ, which gets rid of, you know, 3,900 other companies, you'd expect the past performance to be better than VTS. Has it been 0.3 or 0.4% per annum better? It turns out it has by like a big margin. But again, whether that's going to continue or not is up to everyone to decide. And the other thing is then you're concentrated. If that's the only ETF that you're invested in, you're concentrated in in those specific tech companies. And if something were to happen, as you know, we've seen in the, what was it? The dot com, uh, dot com bubble. Yeah. 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 Then you, you might be exposed to more risk in that thing. So it's just something to think about as well as, as someone's investing in terms of what your priorities are when it comes to that. The other thing to note is the U S has two different stock exchange or two main stock exchanges, right? And the NASDAQ is one of them. And the NYSE is the other. I thought you were going to say you own this one too, Anna. Um, <laughs> I have I some don't. of this one. I have all of these except for ACDC. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't have NDQ, but I, I, I'm obviously invested heavily in, in tech through my other ETFs. So I don't feel like I need to just invest in this one personally. Yeah, NDQ had its moment um, on Instagram back in like 2020, I think, when everyone was excited about it. I feel like everyone was buying it. Not a reason to buy things, but it definitely had its moment. Um, number five, we have our first Australian one, A200, the BetaShares Australia 200 ETF. I do hold this one. What's the, what's the fees on this one? It's super cheap. I can't remember. I know they changed it recently. I liked how they were having like a fee war between all of them. It was quite fun. Yeah, because there was a, at the time, I think when this got released from my memory and I could be wrong, was it, it was, it was up against VAS. Yeah. So it was 0.07 and now it's 0.04% a year, but still more expensive than VTS. Yeah, right. It must be something to do with the US domicile being slightly cheaper. Who knows? Someone will know, not me. Um <laughs> So, so th- this one is tracking the largest 200 companies in Australia. So if you're listening and you're in Australia and you exist as a human, you will probably know most of the companies in this ETF. They probably buy products from them every day and uh, you live your lives surrounded by them. And as we mentioned before, there's going to be uh, a lot of miners and banks at the very, very top end making up, you know, large percentages. I've got the list. Yeah. What's the, what's the top 10? BHP, which is 10% of the ETF, ComBank, which is 8% of it, and then CSL, NAB, Westpac, ANZ, Macquarie, West Farmers, Woodside Energy, and Rio Tinto. I don't know any of those companies. <laughs> no kidding, totally. Oh. <laughs> I hope you didn't believe me as a no. Canadian. I yeah. do know this. <laughs> So, so I think to put it into perspective and um, maybe, you know, not to put you on the spot, Tash, if you go back to, if, if you can even just Google VTS, right? But you, just, you said BetaShares was what, uh, sorry, BHP was 9, 10% of this 10%, ETF? 10.6, 10%. yeah. Yeah. So, you know, everyone can do their own research. Really interesting, right? If you go to um, VTS and you look at what, and the largest company there will probably be Apple or... Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Uh, Amazon or Microsoft, one of those ones, and see what percentage they make up of that ETF. Perfect example of you know some of the impacts of having a large versus a small stock market, having only a few very large companies versus America, which has many, 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 many mega companies. Right? Doesn't doesn't mean that um, it's right or wrong. It's just you should know that before constructing your portfolio, I think. And the other thing to note is like, you can always change your portfolio. I've, like I said, I do hold a 200 in my own portfolio, but as I've evolved and changed, I've decided that there's other ETFs that I would rather invest in. And as I continue to invest in these other ones, my portion of a 200 just gets smaller and smaller. So yes, I hold it. I haven't sold a 200. It's just smaller and smaller and I've focused on more potentially ESG investing or so forth. So it's it's also another thing is if you make not make a mistake, but if you choose to adjust your portfolio, you always can. Even with BTS, which has four thousand companies in it, the top holdings is still quite heavy. Like Apple is six percent of it, Microsoft's also six percent, Amazon three percent. It's like it's still quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so I think that's one of the key things to take away is um, you know, you're buying lots of companies, but you should also be kind of knowing What's at the You're top of the, the list. top ten mostly? Yeah. yeah, and often that's referred to as waiting as well, right? Yeah, not waiting as in waiting for a bus, but waiting as in the weight of the percentage of the <laughs> of the company. Um, number four is one of my favorite ones, I think, because it was the first one I ever bought. Um, it was IVV, the iShares Core S and P five hundred ETF. Yeah, so I think people, if they've been following anyone on social media or ever seen a Warren Buffett quote, or you know have done any research at all will have heard at least of the S&P 500. And I think, you know, the summary is that it is a cross-section of the, you know, whether it's the largest or not, but it's 500 large companies in the, in America that cr- cover a range of sectors. So I think today we've talked about the NDQ, which is tech heavy. We've talked about VTS, which is the entire market. Um, and this is not smack bang in the middle, but it's kind of in the middle because it's taking 500 companies they uh, range from tech to industrials to retail across the board. And the way this is described is that it gives you a a sort of a a sample of all the engine rooms of of the US economy. So when people talk about the US economy and the US economy being powerful globally and growing globally, you're kind of buying companies that operate at every corner of of that economy. Um, It's Warren Buffett's suggestion for anyone who isn't a professional investor to just, you know, back the American economy to always do well. And one way of backing the economy, buying the American economy is buying an S&P 500 ETF. That's his kind of go-to. He repeats it all the time. Um, and it's, you know, it's an ETF in Australia, plus the US, plus all over the world that, dare I say, billions of investors are invested in for that reason. Yeah. Why has it become the benchmark for measuring returns and the standard of everything? Is it because of Warren Buffett? Is there a reason it's so popular? I don't know if it's because of Warren Buffett, but and I don't know the reason exactly, but I think it all comes back to the balance, right? So it, it's not dissimilar to say, you know, if we look at an Aussie context, where the largest 200, 300 companies are going to be in all, all areas of our life, 
right? Not just tech, not just banking, not just mining, like everything, right? There'll be, you know, retailers and um, cosmetics and science and whatnot. And it's the same with the S&P 500. It's kind of giving you a bit of everything. And so, you know, whether that's industrials or direct to consumer, it's giving you a really nice cross section. I think that's probably part of the reason. Yeah. I think also because it's been around for so long as well, like it's easy to use the returns back from 1957 or whenever it was put together like that, whereas a lot of others are newly created as well. And this is what we talked about earlier in terms of the US equivalent being VOO, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And, what, and, and so I think I have a feeling it's going to be between this one and A200 for the cheapest ETF in the top 10. I feel like this is, I don't want to say because I don't want to get it wrong, but I, the, the, the management fee on this is going to be super low as well. Oh, 0.04, a little bit more expensive. Yeah. Because one's 0.03, isn't it? I was just saying, I can't remember which one though. Yeah, there you go. They're all about the same though. You know, yeah, once, you, once, you get, <laughs> once you're getting down to 0.03, 0.04, um, you know. 0.03 is yeah. an extra zero in there, yeah. Yeah. You're only going to feel the difference if you're investing, you know, millions of dollars. And if you're investing millions of dollars, maybe you can ask for a discount. I'm not sure. Reach out. <laughs> Wholesale things, fun. Yeah. But do we want to just pause and talk about those fees for a second? Um, they are quite important sometimes to be looking at them. I know when I first started investing, I went through my bank and at that time it was like 1.5, which if you're new to investing, you don't think about it. But here, when you're hearing zeros, 0.0 something, something, um, it's quite low. And and that makes a huge difference as you invest over the years. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, people can spend a lot of time freaking out about how to choose an ETF. And there's kind of two things here. Like if you're if you're researching some of these ETFs, the, the broadest ones or the most popular ones, you can kind of have some level of comfort that the fees are low. Like and that's the they're they're the biggest ones, they've got the most economy of scale, they're the most popular, and the fees are gonna be low. So they're all gonna be in a range, right? And then when you come to two that are similar and you're really, really struggling to make a choice, it's hard not to just go with the cheapest one. And so that may not work for everybody, but you can always kind of rely on that and go, look, if they're both huge, they're both equally popular, they're both with really reputable ETF managers, I need to make a decision. That can be a way to make a decision. Yep. Now we're moving on to the top three. This is very exciting. Um, Mm. Number three, VDHG, which is Vanguard Diversified High Growth ETF. Our first diversified ETF. How exciting. I love these. What's a diversified ETF, Nick, and why should we buy one? Yeah. Okay. So um, this one has been very popular for a very long time. Um, It you know, I don't know the full origins of diversified ETFs, but in Australia and certainly in our kind of audience, this one's been popular for a long time. It's kind of paved the way, I think. And what it means is it is one ETF, so you can buy that particular ET- uh, ticker. But what is inside that is instead of it tracking one index like the top Australian companies or the top US companies or Asian companies, it's combining a number of different ETFs. So it's basically taking the idea of an ETF and going, that's not simple enough. Let's make it even simpler. Let's give people one thing to buy. And in this instance, um, you're buying, uh, I think, seven different ETFs. Seven, yeah. Yep, yep, or funds. And um, those seven give you a cross-section of all these different um, geography. So US is one of them, obviously. Uh, this one also then takes 10% of that and puts it into bonds, uh, which uh, is the only bond 
exposure in the top 10 at all. There have been a number of, you know, challenges to VDHD. When I said challengers, not challenges. Um, over the last couple of years, uh, some other ETF managers have seen the popularity and I think they've tried to emulate, which is great because it creates more competition. So outside the top 10, um, probably because they just haven't been around long enough. There are a handful of others. We can't go through them all, but if you just Google diversified ETF or compare VDHG to other ETFs, even just Google that, you'll find a range of others. And they'll all be slightly different and have different makeups, but the concept is simplicity. And um, they're often sort of set as they're a pretty great first investment um, when you're trying to you know, decide, oh, should I do S&P 500 or ASX 300 or whatever? This is a great way to just go, I'm going to buy everything. And not have to worry about picking the percentage of each of them. It's kind of cool. It's like your super fund. You put your money in and it's diversified across lots of different things for you. Yeah, absolutely. And just like with your super fund where there might be like a balanced or conservative or aggressive, you'll find that you know, Vanguard and BetaShares, two examples, have a range of these diversified ETFs that it, that will be more bonds or less bonds or more tech or less tech. And you can kind of, you know, make one decision and kind of let it ride. And uh, that's why they're so popular. Mm. And the funds inside of VDHG, I think they're called fixed interest, not bonds. If you're looking at it, they're kind of the same thing anyway. And there's around 16,000 companies in VDHG. So it's quite diverse. It's interesting because often when it comes to investing, people think about like, I should buy some Australian, I should buy some US, I should buy some international. And often there's you could buy three different ETFs to kind of encompass that. And that's how I first started investing. Whereas if if VDAG or something to its equivalent existed back in time, I probably would have just bought one that has all of it um, and then learned a little bit along the way when I when I think of this ETF, that's kind of what I what I think about. It would be a good starting point. Not advice at all, just just something to think about when you're trying to choose what ETFs you're looking at. Yeah. And I mean, uh, what we've seen a lot of the time is someone might start with, you know, a diversified ETF like this, and then they go, you know what, I'm just going to simp- like, I'm going to make a change. And I'm just going to buy two, two ETFs going forward that are two indexes within that. So they've learned through the process. And similarly, they'll start with like three or four ETFs and go, this is too much effort. I'm just going to buy a diversified every month. And it's pretty much the same. Like it's, we're all talking like around the edges here a lot of the time. And, you know, it really just comes down to what, what you like at a time and you can always change. Flexibility is key. Number two is VGS, Vanguard MSCI Index International Shares ETF. Yep. So this is number two for a reason. It's really cheap and it gives you all the biggest companies around the world. Um, And importantly, it excludes Australia. So what it's done is it's allowed Aussie investors to go, I'm going to choose how big my Aussie portion is. I might want to have more Aussie because I'm familiar with Aussie and I want to support Australian. Or I like Uh, lots of franking credits. Exactly. Right. So it's paired a lot with A200, which we talked about, and it's paired a lot with number one, which we're about to talk about. Um, It's really interesting though, because if you look at VGS, uh, even VDHG, if you look at IVV and you also look at VTS, so sorry to confuse everyone with all of those, but I just ran through number two, number three, number four, and number nine in our top 10. You're going to see, again, like I've said a few times, you're going to see all those greatest hits, right? You're going to see all those big US tech companies and they're all going to be in the top holdings and they're all going to have like a, a largish relative percentage. So Yeah, the top uh, ones are Apple, Microsoft, Amazon, NVIDIA, Alphabet, Meta, Alphabet yeah. again, Tesla. Yeah. Exactly. So, so, you know, someone who's a bit jaded 
and um, not saying that I am, but someone someone who's like gotten a bit thick of all this ETF talk would be like, you've just talked about three or four ETFs which pretty much hold the similar stuff. And that's true. And, you know, that's one of the beauties of ETFs, obviously, because it makes everything so simple and you're buying good companies, they're, they're big for a reason. Um, but when there's so many ETFs, you know, it can cause people to kind of sit there and think too much, right? When in reality, you could have someone who's a bit grumpy and just be like, it just doesn't matter. They all invest in very similar <laughs> things. Um, I'm not saying it doesn't matter. It does matter. But you need to kind of put that all into context, I think. And it's interesting that it's international, but it's 71% the US still. And then it's got little bits to other countries, like 6% Japan, 4% the UK, 3% France, 3% Canada as well. Well, the US is one of the biggest markets and economies in the world, which is why so many of these ETFs carry so much, um, so many American companies. It's just something to know. Such a good point, Nick, around not getting too confused and not picking anything because they are all very similar in the end. Yeah, absolutely. Or just do what we did and buy them all. Yeah, change your mind. <laughs> or do the opposite. Just buy one and and decide from there as well. I think we've talked about analysis paralysis so many times. Don't let this podcast, this episode overwhelm you. You're ready to start. If you're listening to this and you, you're following us and you understand, you're ready to start investing, really. Number one is VAS, the Vanguard Australian Shares Index ETF. Why is this one the top one? Oh, I don't know. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's, there's lots of good reasons, right? Like, so we're Aussies. And like, I think if you went to every other country in the world, there would be a popular ETF that captures their country, whether their stock market's big or good or bad or whatever, right? So, you know, I think one of the things that's been happening over the last couple of decades is um, Aussies have been moving from like super, super Aussie concentrated to discovering easier ways to invest um, in the world. But it, but the Australian stock market is still a big part of our kind of investing fabric. So, um, I think this is an example of that. And people with a with VAS and then at number five, A200, if you combine those two, I think they get to about 30, 30 or 35% of the, the entire Perla community. So if you think of the Perla community as one big investor, then say 30-odd percent of our money is going into these Aussie stocks. And, you know, that kind of feels pretty balanced, I think. I think if you went back 10 or 20 years the Aussie stock market would have made up far more of people's portfolios. But if you sort of someone and you go, you got 20 to 30% in Australian stocks and you got 70% US global, I don't think there'd be many people who would say that's silly. I think that people would say like, that's that's a nice balance and you get you get those franking credits um, from the Aussie stocks, which are important and they're only valuable to Aussie people. So, you know, I think I think it's, it's, it's a good sign that it's balanced. And I think the top pair, sorry to confuse things, the absolute top pair of, of all two ETF portfolios is VAS and VGS, number one and number two. And so um, what you're seeing there is someone going, I'm going to get the biggest Aussie companies. I'm going to pair that with the global um, index and bang, I've, I've basically just got a nice little mix of Aussie and global and it's cheap and I'm getting my dividends and I'm happy. Awesome. Makes a lot of sense. This is great. Thanks for joining us, Nick. Um, Our next episode, we're going to be talking about ESG ETFs and the trends there. So make sure to join us for that one. Um, But yeah, this has been great. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Bye. Thanks so much for joining us. If you found this episode helpful, please rate us five stars, write a review, or share with a friend. If you're new to investing, make sure to listen to our first 10 episodes. Follow us at Get Rich Slow Club or Tash at Tash Invest or me at Anna Christina. This show was brought to you by Natasha Edgman, who is an authorized representative. 1299881. 
of Guideway Financial Services, AFSL 420367, and Perla, who is an authorised representative, 1281540, of Sanlam Private Wealth, AFSL 337927. Knowledge is power, especially when it comes to investing. So make sure you check out our financial services guides and read the product disclosure statement and target market determination for any investments you're considering. See our show notes for more info.